Welcome to Global Truth Center. So we're talking about passion this month. Did you just feel that? I mean, there are moments when you just, you don't need to question passion. It just arrives, yes? Yeah. Did, did you, are you like tingling? My hands are tingling. I, I also knew the high note was coming. Do you all feel that? Like, <laughs> like, like when Liza Minnelli sings, you're always like, is she going to hit the note? <laughs> and you're just waiting for that last note. And then she always pulls it out of somewhere. And it's just suddenly, it's like you're just, yeah, that's how I felt. I knew he was going to hit the note because he hit it this morning. And it was two hours earlier. And just... Okay, whew, just drop. So, Conte Partiro. And the lyric is, I will go with you wherever you lead me. Forever true will I be. Um, I will go with you. I'd like you to think about everything that Michael just sang as passion. The, 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 the essence of passion. I will go with you. There is something inside of you. It's called passion. And you will follow it. I will follow this thing in me. I mean, didn't you all just want to get up and start singing? Just maybe some of you are like, no. <laughs> but remember when COVID first started and they showed us the pictures of Italy and everybody was on their balconies and they were all singing? Do you all remember seeing that, that YouTube video? I remember thinking, I just want to go out on my balcony and sing, and, and, but then I'd be standing in Studio City <laughs> on the ground <laughs> singing. <laughs> You just have this moments, these moments in your life where you're just like, yes, I want to follow this passion where something inspires you, inspire, in spirit, where something in you feels the spiritual nature of God as God in and through and with God, all of that, and you just let it fire you up and you're ready to go. That's what we want to talk about this morning, the passion, the passion that is Michael's voice. That voice, when you hear it, when you hear someone's voice, just start to sing, and you, you feel it. Don't you feel it? You feel something like just building up, bubbling up. So the title of my talk today is, I Feel Your Passion. I Feel Your Passion. And I actually created this slide myself for a reason, because I want to tell you a little story. Um, one of my biggest passions was ballet. And I don't know how many of you know it, but I started out... I mean, I was always in the business performing, but I wanted to be a ballet dancer. I wanted to be a ballet dancer since, I don't know why I'm crying. I was a ballet dancer. So I wanted to be, a, you know what, I'll tell you why I'm crying. Because I wanted to be a ballet dancer since I was a little boy. And yesterday, Alan Marcy Welland, whose house I live in when I'm here, they were watching their grandson, who is how old? Seven years old in his first ballet performance. From, from Atlanta? Uh, Albuquerque. Albuquerque, A. Um, <laughs> and I sat there watching this little boy dance, and he made so many mistakes, and, he did, the girl, and it was all girls in him, which is kind of ballet. And, and, and they went this way, and he went that way, and then they rolled over, he noticed it, so he rolled over just in time for them to get back up, and then he got back up. <laughs> But I'm watching this, and then afterwards, he came, they called him, and he was on Zoom with us, and he was just so excited, although he pointed out every one of his mistakes, 
He kept saying, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, but I did this right. And the passion this little boy had for ballet, for dancing, is what I had. But I grew up in a family of police officers <laughs> in Philadelphia. So my dad was a cop, my brothers have all been cops, and they were all football players too. So, you know, cop, football players, ballet dancer. So it was not my, in my future to be a ballet dancer, but I'd ask all the time, I want to go to ballet, I want to go to ballet. And I did try it a little bit, um, not really go to classes, but I'd come down with, a, with, with like tights on, which was not a big win at my house. Um, <laughs> Because most of them had like, you know, shoulder pads and helmets next to the couch and I'd be coming down, well, I, I am going to dance. But I wasn't allowed to go take dance classes because it just wasn't, boys don't dance. Um, so I didn't. So the story I have for you, you may think that's the story, it's not the story. The story I have for you is when I went to my first ballet class, my freshman year of college. Took that long, but I was in college and I moved to, I went and lived at college, so who's gonna know? So, but I had to go, I didn't know where to get tights, I didn't know what to wear to a ballet class, I had no idea what to do. But there was something in me that drove me and I didn't care that I didn't know. I didn't care if I was gonna make a fool of myself, I didn't have any, any reason to believe I was gonna be great at it, well that's not true, I knew I'd be great at it. But, <laughs> I had to, and I had to go to downtown Philadelphia to dance, to take this first dance class. And I went to my grandmother's house first. And she was like, what are you doing down here? And I said, well, I'm gonna take a dance class. She goes, does your mother know? I was like, I'm in college. I was like, no, she doesn't know, but don't tell her. So I'm gonna go take this dance class. And I was like, I had these shorts on and like socks. I didn't have ballet slippers. I made my way down to Philadelphia down to Center City, Philadelphia, to this class, and I walked in and here's all these guys and girls and they're in these beautiful tights and I, I kind of look like a homeless person that just dropped in in their class. And I started and we started the class and I felt really good. And then they got to the part in the class, and that's why I picked this picture, where the guys were leaping across the room and they had to do this thing, I'm not gonna do it, where they would like turn like this and then leap into the air. <laughs> That's about as high as I go now. Um, actually, I could do it, but I'm not really prepared. Um, so, I just remember... <laughs> thank you, Gilmore. I just remember that first moment, that first leap, when I jumped into the air and something in me ignited. And I was like, oh my God, this is what this feels like. And it was passion. And it was everything I ever thought it was going to be. And I just went. And I just, from that moment on, I was the, a, a, a Giselle, just dancing and dancing and dancing. And I eventually bought shoes and joined the Germantown Ballet Company and had a very nice career as a dancer. Moved to New York really to do theater, but instantly, instantly got a scholarship at Joffrey Ballet and the private instructor that taught me. And it was just... I just kept going, and then I did have to make a decision at one point. Am I gonna stick, actually, I had to make a decision because my scholarship was on the line, and they were like, you have a choice. Ballet or musical theater, can't do both. Pick one, because if you're gonna be on a scholarship here, you're here. 
but you can't keep auditioning for shows. And so I made the decision, because at that point, my passion had come for acting and singing and all of it, so I decided to put ballet in the rearview mirror. So the question I have for you is this. What are you doing with the passion that is you? Because passion is not something we find. Passion is something we are. You are the passion of life. So what are you doing with it? I know what I did with my passion, and I continue to do with my passion. And I know when passion grabs me by the throat and says, this is yours to do. Do it. Like what I'm doing right now. This is where my passion truly is now. Would I still like to be on a Broadway stage singing and dancing? Yes, but not eight times a week. And they don't like that. Could you imagine? I'd love to do one show a week. <laughs> and then fly back to Palm Desert. I can't do Sundays or Saturdays. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so the question I have for you is, what is it inside of you that's driving you? And it's very possible you don't have an answer. You know, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's very possible you have a lot of baggage in front of that passion, or that you're blocking it, or that you're holding it back. But I think passion is unbridled. I think passion eventually takes hold of you and doesn't let you go. So I have a quote here from Paul Levy, and it's this. Where we place our attention nourishes or starves our minds. Now just look at that quote. Where we place our attention nourishes or starves our minds. Now, this is from a book that I'm teaching right now, The Quantum Revelation. Revolution. Did I just put revelation there? It is revelation, yeah. The Quantum Revelation. <laughs> I'm teaching it very well. Um, <laughs> by Paul Levy. He's a quantum activist. And what it is is he's taking religion and theology and putting it into the quantum field of science and finding out where do they mesh. And so this quote, where we place our attention nourishes or starves our minds. So I want to ask you, how many times this week do you think you have placed your mind somewhere that has starved your mind? I'm like, you're all like, I'm not telling you. <laughs> think about it, though. How many times do you think we look at things that starve our and when we say starves our mind, it means it starves the passion of my mind. It stops me from my flow. Have you ever been like in a bad mood and then all of a sudden you're happy and you're like, wait, I was just in a bad mood. Why was I in a bad mood? Boom, boom, go back and oh, that's it. Now you're in a bad mood again. Anybody besides me? Right? So that's, that's what we do. We take our minds and where we focus it, where we place our attention can starve us from what we need or it can nourish us. It's probably nourish, nourish us. It feeds us. So I want you to just look at the week you've just lived. Just think about it for a second. Where have you fed your mind? Where are you feeding your passion? Where are you feeding your soul? Where are you allowing yourself to only, only look at those things that I choose to look at? Only let myself involve myself in the things that make me happy. I believe, you see, I do believe that you can be happy all the time. How many of you believe you can be happy all the time? And how many of you believe you can't really be happy all the time? Oh, you're the only one that raised your hand. Good for you. 
I love that you just patted her on the shoulder. Well, here's the thing. We can be. How many people here are happy all the time? Really, Dale? Wow. Do you want to come up and finish my talk? Um, I'm not. There are times when I'm not happy. There are moments when I'm not happy. But I'll tell you this. I'm happy most of the time. So how many people are happy most of the time? Yes. Okay. So we're going to work towards all of the time, yes? Because we actually believe that's true. And it is true. Where we place our attention nourishes or starves our minds. So the rest of this quote, it's actually a full sentence. Give me the rest of the quote there now, William. Through the choices we make, we create ourselves. Through the choices we make, we create ourselves. Now, it's interesting. I told you the story about growing up in Philadelphia. Um, I made some choices that were hard choices to make, like leaving home when it was time for me to leave home, to move to New York City. Um, my mother passed away uh, on September 4th, when I, my 19th year, and I had a choice. I was like, I have to decide either to move to New York and follow my dream of being a dancer or staying here. And it was my father on this Memorial Day as I celebrate his participation in World War II. Um, it was my father who said to me, you need to move to New York because if you don't, you're going to stay here, you'll be here forever. Because I had two young brothers that no longer had a mother. And my father was like, if you stay here, you will raise them and you will be in charge of them and you will get stuck here. So he said, go, I'm fine. And it was one of the best things my father ever did for me, even though he told me I shouldn't be a dancer <laughs> at an earlier age. But he was one of my biggest fans once I actually proved that men can be dancers and butch. <laughs> really? Really? Wow. They turn so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> that real men can dance. Barishnikov, huh? Barishnikov. Yes. But real men can also be gay. Gene Kelly, yes, not gay. <laughs> Great dancer, yes. So through the choices we make, what choices right now are sitting in, on your plate? Because I'm all about this teaching being whatever I needed to be in my life. It's great that we study science of mind and we know what Ernest Holmes said, and I can, I can quote Thomas Trower to you, very long sentences with no punctuation. I can quote, I can quote uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson to you. I can go back and quote Phineas Quimby to you. All those quotes are wonderful to know, and they mean nothing if you're not living them on some level. So with this quote, this Paul Levy quote, what choices are in front of you right now that you're looking at making, and how do you make them? That's really the question, isn't it? How do I make this choice? Well, we've got to get quiet, and we've got to listen, because there is something inside of us, this passion inside of us, that will lead us. Just like those lyrics said, I will follow this passion. That's what Michael just sang about. I will follow the passion of my life, but in order to follow the passion of my life, I have to know what it is. So the question is, what's on your plate? And is passion going to make the decision? Or are you going to go look for it everywhere else? Because I'm here to tell you that if you let passion, if you let your true inspiration 
assist you in making decisions, you will never make the wrong decision. And in fact, you'll never make the wrong decision anyway, because at the end of the day, life does unfold perfectly. The question is, you want a clean shot, or do you want to go around the world and get back to it? So as I was putting this talk together, and as I was thinking about my own, my own past, um, I was sitting at dinner last night with friends, and it was getting late, and I was like, I gotta go to bed, guys, because I have to get up early, and I have to work on my talk, and really think about what I'm saying. And they're like, no, 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 let us tell you. Let us do your talk for you. <laughs> my husband being one of them, he goes, I'll give it tomorrow. He's like, no, you won't. Uh, so I said, you know what, here's the deal. I'm gonna give you the title of my talk, right? I feel what you feel, I can feel your passion. And then everybody gives me something when they go around the room. So they did. They were very funny. It was like, I forget what the first person said, but I was like, I feel, I can feel your passion. And then this person said, Chuck, Chuck said, uh, because when I know who I am, I am in touch with everything in you, and I know what you feel as well. I was like, oh, I like that. That's good. I went on to the next person. And then he said something I didn't quite understand. It was a little bit obtuse, but I couldn't follow it. And I was like, uh-huh. And then... Then we went to this other person who said the quote I'm about to show you. Then we went to this other person who said, you know, passions, was it passions, passions overrated. I was like, I'm not giving a talk called passions overrated. <laughs> so bye-bye, passions overrated. And then, uh, and then it was my husband who said something, which I don't remember what he said. <laughs> but anyway, so however, this quote was said, and I was like, well, that is like, oh, I didn't want it yet. But I did say this quote was said, so that was good, William. Good job. Now, <laughs> so you're good, leave it there. So what she said was, on the road to finding your passion, don't forget to live your life. I was like, oh my God, that is so perfect as, as, as a final remark in this month of passion, because I think we spend so much time trying to find our passion that our lives have been lived, and our lives have been lived in contemplation of a future. Now just think about that sentence, in contemplation of a future. It leaves out the present moment. It leaves out our lives. How many of us have something inside of us that we want to do, and we're always thinking about what it's going to be like when we do it. So I ask you again to really just look in your hearts. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care, I don't care if you're 97 or if you're 17. It doesn't matter. Whatever is in there to do is yours to do. And it's not yours to do tomorrow. It's yours to do now. On the road to finding your passion, don't forget to live your life. Our lives are here to be lived. You have been given the greatest tool you will ever, ever need, and that is your mind. Ernest Holmes was correct when he said there is a power for good, he said, in the universe, and you can use it. He said there's a power for good in the universe greater than you are and you can use it. And what he meant by that was, there is a power in the universe. He used good. I stay away from pejoratives, because if there's good, there's bad. I think there is a power in the universe that is creative. And that's what we're finding out on the quantum level. 
It's nothing but creative energy. I am nothing but a live amalgamation of creative energy. What I do with that creative energy is what directs my life. So when Ernest Holmes says there is a power for good in the universe greater than you are, meaning greater than you've ever allowed yourself to imagine, my creativity is bigger than I've ever imagined. And I can tell you, when I was in that room for the first time, torgetaying through the air, I felt like I was the biggest energy in the universe. And I can only imagine what I really looked like <laughs> dancing in that room for the first time. Fast forward many years later, well, not many years later, that was, I was, I was 18. Fast forward to when I was 25, and I was auditioning for a very big show, and I had to do this choreography, and everyone had to do it alone on the Mark Hellinger stage in New York, which is a big Broadway house. And this thing we had to do was very similar to those very first steps I took in downtown Philly because it was that turn, leap, turn, leap. And then it was just these huge leaps through the air from one corner of the Mark Hellinger to the other corner of the Mark Hellinger. That's how this choreographer could see who had what he was looking for. I don't know how he decided it was me, but what I do know is that there was something inside of me, that passion inside of me, that was just churning and churning and churning and rising me up, rising me up. And so I did rise above the crowd. Every single person here has something inside of them that is churning, that is bubbling up, that is ready to take you high take you above the normal, above the relative world, to that place where there are no boundaries, there are no walls, there's nothing. There's just your fire in the belly, as Ernest Holmes called it. There's that fire in the belly that is ready to go wherever you decide to take it. But at the end of the day, if you give me my last slide there, William, at the end of the day, you need to be the activist. You need to be reading this line. I feel your passion and be talking to yourself. I feel your passion. There is something inside of you bigger than you are, greater than you are when you're in your single self that is all of you and is literally saying, I feel your passion, James. I feel your passion, Eric. What are you going to do with it? That's your job. That's your responsibility. To you, feel the passion. Give it safe space to move through you. And then, I guarantee you, you are going to find yourself jetting into your life in a way that you will fly through the air. Namaste. <laughs>